Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Well, good morning. King's Kids, uh, Connect Kids, you may be dismissed. And um, we're going to talk about something this morning that, well, I thoroughly enjoy. It's a story, a Bible truth that not many people talk about, really. But it's such a powerful, powerful uh, subject matter. And it's just a reminder today, because maybe I've been reminded, and when I get reminded, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to remind you. (laughs) And um, it's such a beautiful thing to understand what we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Some say, I'm a child of God. And sometimes when we go through problems and we go through circumstances and it gets a little rough, Jesus promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, correct? And we need to remind ourselves what God says. Each one of you, if you know Jesus Christ and those watching online, if you know Jesus Christ, you've been pardoned. Pardoned. You know, there's a story, a true story, and it it comes all the way back to uh, 1830. goes back a little bit. And there was a man named George Wilson. And George Wilson did something wrong. You want to know what he did wrong? This is what he did wrong. He robbed the United States Mail Service. He robbed the United States Mail Service. You know what the penalty back then was robbing the United States Mail Service? You would be hung. And so he robbed, got caught, was thrown in jail, and they were going to hang him. But Andrew Jackson, the president at that time, gave him a pardon. But when George Wilson received the pardon, he refused it. So that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Could he do this? And the Supreme Court said this, quote, A pardon is a slip of paper, wrote one of the Supreme Court persons' names, Marshall, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no longer a pardon. George Wilson must be hung. And he was. Think of this story. That here is a man who did wrong, but then was pardoned because of whatever reason why President Andrew Jackson thought he should be pardoned, and gave him that pardon, but he did not refuse it. He did not accept it, excuse me. He did not accept it. And because of that, he was hung. I want you to think about this for a second. Because God has done the same thing to the whole world. He has given everybody an opportunity to receive a pardon for our sins, for our our own ways. And this is the important message of the gospel that is so different from any other religion that's out there. The difference is Christ, the son of the living God, who came, who lived, who died, who rose. The God who actually, according to John chapter 1, created everything seen and unseen. So when you look at creation, that is the Son of God who created that, created everything you've seen. Now, I want you to understand this, that this pardon that Jesus gave us is so important, isn't it? Aren't you glad you got a pardon? (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Indeed, we're pardoned. (laughs) You know, I don't know about you, but the Webster's Dictionary in 1828, said this for pardon. To forgive, to surrender the right of punishment or being punished 
for a crime one committed, to remit that punishment, to take away, to pardon one's fault of crimes where they now are innocent. Wow. You know, I don't know about you and I, but how often do you think about what Jesus Christ really has done for us? And let me ask you another question. How quick are we to think about what problem we're facing? We will focus on our present situation so much more. Is that not true to the human nature that sometimes, you know, listen, when your tire is flat or both tires are flat or even worse, someone slashed your tires, you're not thinking about how great my salvation is. No, you're thinking about those two flat tires. But when we go through something in life, we have to readjust the thinking sometimes so that we get back to remembering who is for us. Someone say, God's for us. I want to share something with you, a powerful portion of Scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 9. It talks about the Day of Atonement when the high priest would go in this one day to offer the sacrifice with blood, always going into the Holy of Holies with blood, he would offer that blood for himself, the priest, and for the people. All through the year, they would operate in the holy place. But once a year, they would go into the holies of holies. And let me share this portion of Scripture with you. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 15. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean sanctified them so that they are outwardly clean. But look at 14. How much more then? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Someone say new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died for a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. God has this giant call going out to all the universe of the plan of salvation. But someone may be knocking on your door, but it's up to you to answer it. How many of you, how many of you have ever had someone knock on your door and you go, what should we do? Don't tell me that hasn't happened. <laughs> you know, especially, especially if you get someone at your door, and this happens a lot, have a door early, early in the morning, like 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, and someone is like, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, first thing you want to know is, who is it? But it's dark, and you cannot see. So what do you say to yourself? Oh, I should have lights outside. <laughs> You know, I remember one time someone came three o'clock in the morning. I had, I got lights outside, but they had a hoodie on and then that hood on. I couldn't see, even see their face. And I'm like, Lord, I want to help them, but I ain't helping anybody until I know who I'm going to open this door to, you know. And then the person just sat on my front of my door for the longest time. 
And then he started acting really weird. And I'm thinking, oh, this guy, he's probably wasted, you know. And, and then he started acting really weird. So I called the cops and said, I'm going to go confront this guy. I'm just going to let you know. He says, don't confront him. I'm like, I'm going to go confront him. I'm going to talk to this guy. And uh, I just want to let you know, it would be nice if you came on the way. To help, just in case I need help. You never know. Just, just plan B. <laughs> just being wise. Just doing the wise thing. Uh, I'm going to walk in the God thing, but I'm going to just be wise and doing the human thing as well. So I said, listen, if you're going to help me, you'll come. If you're not, then God, I, God got me. So I opened the door. I finally opened the door, and he's vanished. Where is he? He's bothering the people at the nursing home. Now the nursing home called, and as soon as they called, they didn't come for me. It was like, it was like I was looking for the guy for a while. They don't come for me. But the nursing home called. Oh, they were here in two seconds. Nevertheless, there were some issues there. But we don't want to open the door right away. We're afraid. But Jesus is knocking. And he wants to come in in every compartment of your heart and in your life. And here, which is so beautiful in Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus was that one sacrifice that finally made all other sacrifice no longer needed. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus took your punishment that you deserve. Okay? So if you ever had someone pay your debt, if you ever had somebody do something for you that you deserve, you know, you did something wrong and they covered for you and they protected your hide, you're grateful for them. You're really grateful, like, thank you, man. I am so appreciative. But don't you dare forget what that person has done for you. Just like we must not forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. That's more than a song. That's a testimony of the grace and mercy of God. See, he didn't deserve to die. He willfully went to the cross. He willfully took the abuse from the soldiers. He willfully, as a lamb, to the slaughter. You see, Jesus was a substitutional death that we should have paid. You see, and we need to remember that Jesus filled the spot. Very important that we understand Jesus filled the spot. In 1 Peter 3.18, listen to what it says, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Relationship. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit of the living God. You see, Jesus hung between heaven and earth suffered because of great love for you and I. I want you to understand, when you don't feel loved, I meet so many people, oh, especially nowadays, so many people who just don't feel loved. I don't think God loves me. I know these people don't love me. My family don't love me. I, I hear it all the time, where people don't feel that they are truly loved. Sometimes when people don't feel horizontally, they really kind of been related vertically. And I'm always trying to remind them that God hung between heaven and earth because he so loved you. You have to believe that. No one can get it in your heart, but you have to take it on. Believe it. Believe what the scripture says, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sins and live in righteousness. By his wounds, by his wounds, you have been healed. Mentally, physically, spiritually. This is the holistic aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is an incredible plan that you're involved in. Why don't you just say, praise the Lord. 
I wish people would really get a hold of it. It's amazing. I, I, I like the aspect is we're guilty and yet now we're innocent. Innocent. Because what did we do? We accepted a pardon from Jesus for what he did. One of my favorite scriptures, and I, I have numerous, but John 15. This is your homework for tonight. To just read and reflect upon John 15. It will correlate today's message. And I pray the Spirit of God will kindle in you a deeper relationship of how God and how close God really wants to walk with you. But just a small portion in John 15, verse 12 to 14, it says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I have commanded you. Man, see this? See, this is what love is. What does obedience look like? Obedience is just doing the right thing at the right time. I, I, I thought about an illustration. I said to myself, you know, as we talk about the spot that Jesus filled, we're going to be talking about Barabbas. Jesus Barabbas. And then we're talking about Jesus, the son of the eternal father. And so Barabbas, as you're going to get to know here, he's, he's like us. Jesus physically took the place of Barabbas. Physically took the place. He's the only one that Jesus physically took the penalty of his consequences that were to be upon him in his place. And so because you and I and Barabbas were sinful. And when we're sinful, well, we're tainted. We're separated from an eternal God that's holy. People say, ah, it's only one sin, it's a sin. No, you don't understand. I love the brownie things. You know the brownie things. If I put dog poop in your brownies and I gave you brownies, would you eat your brownies if I told you, eh, kind of put a little dog poop in it? You say to me, what is wrong with you, pastor? And I say, no, no, no. The ingredient close to it, I think it was chocolate. You know, you say, yo, there's something wrong with you, Pastor. No, the thing is, but we just sometimes say it's okay, a little sin here, a little sin there. But in our reality, sin is sin and has a consequence. And so what happens is Jesus took Barabbas' place. And what he did that day, he took the sin of Barabbas. And now Barabbas and you, me and you, because of what Jesus did... He went free. Now, I don't know about you, but now he's free. He can go anywhere he wants. He's free. But then Jesus came along and took, not only took the sins, but took it to the cross. I want you to understand that he took it to the cross. And when he took it to the cross, he took not only the sins of the world, but he even took the sins of Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was guilty. We're going to look at him in a little bit. We're going to see how guilty he was. But I want, us, I want you to understand, before you look at Barabbas and see how guilty he was, I want you to understand how guilty you were. And you say to me, well, pastor, guess what? I've been raised in the church. I've been a pretty good guy all my life. Really? Really? Not only do you have the best testimony, but you, you also have an understanding that guilty is guilty. You see, the problem is we sometimes look, this is really bad, but I'm not so bad. No. That's not, that, not how God works. And let me just give you an example. Okay? What would you call sin? Murder? What was the first sin in the Bible? Eating a fruit? Any of you had kids? Would you call eating a fruit? 
bad. In that condition, what God said, it was absolutely sin. But if I tell my son, do not eat that fruit because I don't want him to eat that fruit until later, whatever, and he goes ahead and do it, it's still disobedience. Get it? Disobedience is disobedience. But you as, and I, who human race, we like to put a level like, well, that's a nine. This is a two. <laughs> but let me, let me tell you something. Jesus took all the sin away. All the sin. He took it upon his body. Nothing. You probably said, but you know what? Nothing on the cross. It's taken everything away. This cross took everything. There's nothing there. The cross wiped it away. As the Bible says, he taken the sins to the east to the west. There is no more sin that God does for you and I. When he takes it away, he takes it away. Sometimes we want to carry it, but that's because you have a hard time forgiving yourself. So let's really learn a little lesson today. And let's go to the book of Matthew and let's discover a little bit about Barabbas. In verse 15, it says this. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release the prisoner chosen by the crowd. And at the time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. In other, some other gospels, his first name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that he had been handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Which of the two do you want me to release? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere and the instead of uproar was starting to rise up, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. Listen to what he said. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. But all the people answered, let his blood be on us and all our children. I want you to get this for a second. That little quote right there, as they said, the people and let his blood be on us and all our children. And that's looked at two views. The first view is that how Israel rejected the Messiah. The first view is seeing that they proclaim, let the consequences of our choice today be on us. We're so convinced that this is the right thing to do. We'll blame it on us. Put the blood judgment on us. But the second view, which is really the right view, is that's exactly what Jesus wanted it to be. Jesus wanted his blood to cover them. Jesus wants his blood to cover all of us. Now, Israel is not there yet. They're still in the first stage, but God's not done with his people. He's never done with his people because this is the number reason why. There's many times God wanted to be done with his people. Many times. But he, but he, but he isn't. And you know why it's crazy? He made a promise to a person like you. And God's kept his promise because he made a, he made a promise to a person just like you. Isn't that crazy? 
He remembers the promise he made to the patriarchs. And because of those promises, he has kept true through and through. Uh, uh, just reading the other day where he says, I, I remember I spoke to David, he'll always have a line. So he kept, you know, Solomon and gave him just one part. I, I want you to understand God has a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan. You see, I want you to know this is important because when we look at Barabbas, I want you to look at you. You know, it's so easy for us to look at someone who's a criminal and say, yeah, he's a criminal. He's a bad guy. Yeah? <laughs> All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you see someone who really looks kind of bad and going through some stuff, or maybe they're addicted, maybe they have some stuff going on that's really tough and really causing a family and chaos. Yeah, but you know what? That's what Jesus was born for. Someone say amen. And it's up to you to take your experience with Christ to walk in to the relationship. For example, you've seen this online or pictures, but here we are, and here God is, and then, of course, there needed someone to... Bring the gap. And that's what the cross did. It brought the gap. So how do you bring your gap to the Barabbases of this age? How do you bring your gap to the ones that are different than you? You see, we know Barabbas was a man that was notorious. His reputation preceded him. We see it in Matthew. He's called a notable prisoner. Everybody knows him. We see in Luke and we see in Mark. He says that Barabbas was an interrectionist. He was a person who would raise up against the Roman government. Let's put it this way. He hated the Roman government. Many people at that time hated the Roman government. And I want you to understand, he would raise up against civil political authorities. He, he was a rebel. A rebel with a cause. He wanted deliverance. He wanted freedom. And the Roman authority was oppressive. And he was a murderer. The bottom line is that Barabbas was guilty. He deserved to be where? In prison. He deserved what? Punishment. Now, I know sometimes we don't think that we deserve punishment, but if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would not have no relationship with God. And I think, and I want to remind you, to get back to the to seriousness of really understanding what God's done, because this is the reason for this morning. This is the reason of the heart of a reminder. The reminder is, if you can remember what God has done for you and how he saved you and came into your life, can you have the mercy and grace to jump into other people's life and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you can remember what God has delivered you from, can you be, can you be the saving grace of Jesus Christ as God has given unto you? Can you then go into other people's lives and share the gospel and care more about them, watch this now, than you? Instead of just focusing on what you like and like it, can you get outside your comfort box and be the church outside the walls? So important. So we know that Barabbas is, is guilty. But let's look a bit about Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, salvation. Christ, Greek word for Christ, the anointed one. That makes the difference. The definite article in front of Christ is the Christ, which in that means one and only. Whenever that phrase is used, he's the one and only anointed one. 
I, I want you to understand that in John, listen to what John 7 says, 45. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees and, and who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? They wanted Jesus to come in. They wanted to question him. This is what the guard said about Jesus. This is the testimony of Jesus. No one has ever spoke this way. I've never heard a man speak this way ever before. He spoke like no other man. I don't know. Would someone say, that's good, right? That's good. What did, um, uh, let's look at Peter's, uh, Peter's uh, after Peter's mother-in-law. We, I could tell you a joke about that, but I, I'll, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> when evening came, many who were demons and possessed were brought to him, and he drove out spirits with a word and healed the sick. This is the time, right after he heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then all of a sudden has this incredible moment takes place. The Bible says in John that if all the miracles were to take place, they couldn't be even written in books. So we're talking about a person who is touching multitudes of lives. He was speaking like no other man. Someone say there's some evidence, there's something different about the Son of God. What did others say? Pilate, it's interesting what Pilate said before the crucifixion. In the Gospel of John, three times, three times, Pilate says this. John 18.38, John 19.4, and John 19.6. He says this, I find no fault against him. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Here is the leader in Rome saying there is no fault in this man. And in the text we've read, he knew that they were just bringing him because of their own insecurities. I want you to understand something, how how innocent Jesus was. And sometimes when we look like, hey, I'm innocent. Why am, I, why am I going through this? I have done nothing wrong. Lord, I don't think this is fair. Fair? A lot of things took place to Jesus that wasn't fair. But did he still love? Did he still care? Did he still be the light that he was? Because that's who he was? So the circumstances and situation should not change us as well. We need to dial in to that same spirit, the spirit of God. How about this? This is one of my best ones. How about the thief on the cross? One thief is just putting all type of anger and insults and stuff. But the other thief, man, just watching Jesus interact. And all of a sudden it says to Jesus, hey, hey, wait. When you get to your kingdom, remember me. I love this so much in Luke. Don't, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we are getting what we deserve. But this man has done, here it goes, nothing wrong. The chief priests and the scribes said this concerning Jesus. This, is, this is, boggles my mind. Here's the ones that put him on the cross. And this is what they say. Quote, Mark 15, 31. He saved others. But he can't save himself. He trusts in God. Let's see if God's going to do it. Wait a minute, they're admitting, they're admitting from their mouth, the one they just put on the cross, that he saved others. He brought people back from the dead, he healed bodies, he healed people that were going to die because of their sicknesses. They're admitting from their own mouth, he saved others, let's see if he can save himself now. Think about that. It doesn't even make sense that one would utter these words of a testimony of what God did. So how can we apply to our lives now? How many times that God has done something in our life? And we know he has. We know he's done something great. But how quick do we forget? How quick do we forget? Because we're always looking at what God wants to do for us now. God, what you've done for me lately. 
That's another shirt you probably could wear. <laughs> Some people would wear it proudly. The chief priests are saying this. And then, of course, my favorite, as a testimony of who Jesus was and how he lived, the centurion soldier, Luke 23, where he says, certainly this is a righteous man. Or Matthew 27, truly, this is the Son of God. These are people who don't even believe in God, recognizing and seeing something this true. For a Roman soldier, watching the whole thing, then say, uh-oh, <laughs> surely this was the Son of God. We might have made a mistake here. It wasn't a mistake, because as Jesus says, no man took his life. He willfully laid it down. Think about that. Why would he do that? He loves you. And if he loves you, he loves the one that maybe you're having a hard time loving. It's so easy to love those who love you. But the key about Christianity is loving those who are hard to love. Now listen, I'm not saying hang with them. <laughs> I am nowhere saying that. There's people I will not hang with, okay? But it doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean I don't care for them. But you've got to share the gospel if you want to see something happen. So there's a difference between the two. Jesus, an innocent man. Barabbas, a guilty man. Jesus, law-abiding. Barabbas, a rebel. Jesus saved others. Barabbas hurt others. Jesus, righteous. Barabbas, unrighteous. Jesus healed. He loved. He forgave. Barabbas carried anger and hate and bitterness against Rome. Jesus was a son of God. Barabbas was a son of our earthly father. And that's exactly what his name means. Barabbas means son of the father. Isn't it interesting? On the day where the two were there and Pilate asked the question, what should I do? What you want me to do with this Jesus? And they were crucified. They had to answer. Do they want the Barabbas, the son of the father, the earthly father? Or do they want Jesus, the son of the eternal father? It's so funny that on that day, there were two Jesuses by name there. It's so interesting that the name, the son of the father, earthly, the son of the eternal father, heavenly, divine. And the world chose wrongly, yet it was ordained. They still made a choice. Let me share a powerful portion of scripture with you this morning that I, I think all of us are mindful of. I'm trying to help you rekindle the power of the salvation that God has given to you so you can walk differently towards others. Isaiah 53, 1 to 12. Just let this sink in. Read along with me. Who has believed our message and who whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no stately form or majesty to attract us, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took on our affirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, struck down and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, and punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. But oppression and judgment, he, has, he was taken away. And who can recount his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living and was stricken with the transgressions of my people. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, no, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. I want you to get that. It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer And when his soul is made a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after the anguish of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servants will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he has poured out his life until death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for those transgressors. Wow, 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 wow. Think of what God did for us. Are you willing to lay your life down for others and go out of your way to share, to build the kingdom of God, whether it's a call on the phone, whether it's a letter, whether it's walking over next door, whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's at a restaurant, whether it's wherever, fill it in. Are you just ready, Freddie, to do something for the Lord? Let's do something real quick here. Let's just look at this aspect of the difference. You know, Barabbas thought, by the power, he could conquer the enemy. Human power. Jesus teaches his disciples that it's through humility and prayer and faith you conquer enemies. Barabbas believed force will bring freedom. Jesus teaches us that faith brings freedom. If you want freedom, have faith in God so that things don't control you, but your relationship controls everything else. Faith moves mountains. Barabbas sought human solution through human reasoning. You know, it's sort of like the Frank Sinatra. He did it his way, right? Everybody wants to do it our way. But we have to remember something. Human solutions is, if we think human solutions has the answer, just look at your world. If you think this world's getting better and better, (laughs) you better go back to the eye doctor. See, Jesus teaches us to be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. Well, what does that mean, to be led by the Spirit? That's taking yourself and spending time in the Spirit of God, in the presence of God. So this presence of God fills you and leads you on your day, gives you the little things you need to do at that one moment. It's beautiful when God just turns you around. I'm headed this way. God says, not that way. You say, okay, I go this way. And all of a sudden, something happens. Wow, I almost missed that one. Thank God I listened to that. That's the sensitivity we all want to get to. We all have those moments when we might miss it just because of the day. But we got to remember Jesus has given us the way. 
Barabbas was a son of a human father, yet Jesus was a true son of the internal father. Listen to what Psalms says. Write this down. Psalms 18, 118.8, it says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust man. Period. Period. The crowd chose Barabbas, a guilty man. But for those who believe what Christ did upon the cross, we choose the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. The crowd chose chose to set a guilty man free and send an innocent man to death. I don't know about you, but I think about that, and I wonder how many people after the fact slept well. Because I can guarantee you there are people who didn't sleep well after the event. But we know that the disciples are having a difficult time. I like Isaiah 55, 8, and 9 because... When I don't understand something, and there's many times that happens, I think of Isaiah 55, 89. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens is higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways. God's ways are always higher. That's where it's a walk of faith. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know why I'm so frustrated over this situation. Pick it. Pick, I don't, pick your reason why you don't know why. But also understand that God's ways are higher than your ways. And sometimes I have learned that what you're going through is something that's supposed to change you. For the next step is not to destroy you or hurt you. It's to change you. It's to make you stronger. So that you're ready for your next step that God has. You know, David did not kill the Goliath before he did the bears and lions. Right? The stepping stones. It's like your giftings in the spirit. Gifts in the spirit are a process of growing. God gives you a gift, but that gift grows along with you. You may make some mistakes in your gifting. That's okay. That's called learning curve. <laughs> You see, a lot of times we're afraid. We're afraid to allow those gifts to be gifts because we're afraid to make a mistake. The bottom line is God's bigger than your mistake. So you just need to chill out and just walk in God and develop in God with a heart to grow in God. And when you make a mistake, you know what you do? It's very simple. You know, you just say, I made a mistake. If you have to apologize, not a hard thing to do. Please forgive me. Amen? Amen. Let's just practice that. Say, please forgive me. Did that feel good? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Good for the soul. So, Barabbas is very much, comparison to Jesus is really different. Let me, let me tell you a story. Um, I was uh, driving one day, and uh, I don't really like to this to you, but it is true. I'm not a fast driver. If anybody drives with me around here, I, I drive pretty slow. But if you go, you put me back in the city, you put me in the city, I don't know what happens to me when I get in the city. When I get in the city, I'm a city driver. And I can whip through cars like nothing. I don't know what happens to me. It just comes right out of my, my being. And my wife says, what, what gets into you when you, I, I don't know. I guess I, all my life in the city driving two, three inches on cars on each side. I don't know. I had no problem. People zipping and zapping in Boston. It's just, ah, it is what it is. People get mad. I don't get mad. As long as you don't hit me. Scoot on in. 
See, that's just what happens, and it's crazy. So, but I'm a good driver here, but one day I was on my way where people were waiting for me, and I was a little late. So I was driving about 85, maybe, maybe 90. <clears throat> and um, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I guarantee you, your needle has gone that high as well. So you'll have we'll to call a little bit later. So I was, I was speeding a little bit, and, um, and this is just a beautiful moment that I, I, I remember, and I, I've used this story a few times because I remember this moment where I'm flying, and I just don't want to make the situation worse, but I was in the church van. <laughs> and so here I am, but, but we don't have our name on it, so we're good. So... <laughs> That's why I keep the name off. So, because you know, some of you people don't drive very well. I don't want to be associated with you. <laughs> so, I'm driving down. I'm about 85, 90 miles an hour, and I pass a cop. And me and the cop get eye to eye. It's like, like this. And his face, I literally saw his eyes and face turn colors. And I said this. It was in Greek. It was Greek. A Greek came to me. It went, uh-oh. And so I'm busted. I am so busted. I'm late and busted. I'm like, oh, and I don't have my seatbelt on. And the first thought I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zip my seatbelt. I'm like, no, no, that's not right. That's wrong. I'm not going to do it. I pulled right over. I'm guilty. And I just waited for my judgment. And all of a sudden, here comes a cop car. Here comes a, woo, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, boy. I'm just going to take it on the chin. I am guilty. I am wrong. And I am going to take it like a big man. I'm going to suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? And so all of a sudden, the cop guy just passes me. And I'm like, I think this is a trick. And he pulls over the car that was in front of me. And I'm like, this is wrong. Because I deserve a really big fine. It was right here in 540, you know? And, uh, and so all of a sudden, I'm like, what should I do? If I move out, I might get in trouble. And then if I do nothing, I still might get in trouble. I finally said, well, if he's going to stop me, I'm going to pass him and see what he does. So I just pull out, like, really slow. <laughs> I was really slow. You know? And I passed, I was going to pass the cop. And I'm, once, I'm waiting for him to go, pull over, you know? But nothing Absolutely nothing. I drive right by him, and he's still talking to the other person. And I'm going, what just happened, Lord? I am so guilty. I felt so bad for the other person. And I'm saying, was that person speeding behind me too? I'm like, can nobody could be speeding that much on that day? I mean, I, I'm just shocked. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I went on feeling like I was a Barabbas that had just passed judgment. Because that ticket would have been a good one. Oh, by the way, you don't have your seatbelt on. Didn't know it's $15. You know what I mean? Under a couple hundred dollars. And so I just, say, I just said, you know what, Lord? I am not going to cover up. I am going to be honest. But you know what? I believe God honored me. Because I was guilty. And right away, I didn't wait for him to come chase me. I just pulled on over and just waited for my judgment. Somehow, not only did God teach me a lesson. Don't speed. Okay? Don't speed. Because that doesn't mean God's going to do that for you. <laughs> and I don't want to hear the story like, well, you didn't do it for me, you did it for you. That's not fair. But I want to tell you, it's really true. God 
intervened that day, I have no doubt, because me and that cop, we had words, silent words. I said, oh, oh, he said, you're in big trouble. <laughs> I mean, I literally saw his facial experience. I passed him so fast. I mean, that little thing in his car that tells his little speedometer thing of the upcoming cars and stuff, it must have said, oh, man, when he saw me going that fast, I want to say I was doing more 90 than 85. I, I put 85 in there because I was like, it sounds a little better. <laughs> 8590, it was pretty close. And um, that van runs well. And uh, God intervenes. God intervenes. He really does, even when you're guilty. How many times you've been guilty of something and, and God intervened on, on you and covered your end? You see, don't take that for granted. You better be grateful and thankful. And then there needs to be a change of attitude and a change of direction. Because if you don't, you see, Barabbas paints a picture for all mankind. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And now you've been in church world for so long. Well, guess what? Guess what? You've got to remember you were a Barabbas. You were a far from God. And there's a lot of people out there, and only 3% of the Christian church today is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I talk to people all the time. I don't really have to know the person. I get to know them on the spot. And you know what? When I share Jesus... I can't tell you how many people have turned me down. Hardly any. I can't even give you a number. Every single person has listened to what I had to say. Because why? I'm just talking to them. I'm not trying to preach to them. I'm just caring for them. That's all I'm doing. I'm just caring for the person. You know why? Because I really do care. Jesus cares. We need to care. But there's a thief to come and steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to be careful that we just don't get our own life and just wrap our lives about what we want and what we want to do. We're the church of Jesus Christ, endued with power to do great things and exploits. We have the living Spirit of God living within us that makes all things possible. Great is His name and worthy to be praised. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. We are to believe God's Word for what God's Word says, that we can arise and become what God has called us to be because that's what the Word of God says. And if we're going to believe it, then by George, believe it. But if you're not going to believe it, then okay. Just have a pass, have past life and have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, you have to make a choice. Let me share, share this with you, though. You know, the crowd had a choice. The crowd had a choice. I, I want you to understand something. I don't know if you've ever seen this in Scripture. But the Pharisees, high priests, and the Sadducees, and the scribes, and all the, the whole Sanhedrin, all, the, all of the leaders, they got together and planned this. They planned it. They knew exactly what they were going to do, and knew how they were going to work the crowds. You see, saints, there are nothing new underneath the sun. The same thing in our own world is taking place today, working crowds for their own advantages. People are working crowds for their own advantages. For their own points. Same thing here that took place with the leaders. And it only takes a few leaders to change the crowd. A crowd is so easy to influence. I've been in places with a whole bunch of people, giant crowd, and I would get the mic. And I'll tell them all, say praise the Lord. And everybody, praise the Lord. Just shout. The whole, ah! Crowds are so easy. It takes one group of people to start chanting in a stadium. 
You stink. You stink. Before everybody who's on that side will be saying, and then everybody in the stadium starts saying, you stink. And you go home and put antiperspirant on. I don't think they really hurt my feelings today. It ain't hard to sway people. And same thing took place in Jesus' day. The crowd of many people were influenced by few leaders. It says here in Matthew chapter 27, verse 1, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. Did you get that? There was a plan before it actually took place. So when they brought Jesus to Pilate, they already thought out how it could happen and who they were going to ask because they knew the ritual of offering up someone instead of. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. In verse 20, it says, And the chief priests and the eldest persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Just think about this for a second. Who's influencing you? Listen, saints. Don't let culture dictate the message of the cross. Do not let culture dictate the message of the cross. It is through the cross of Jesus Christ that there is victory over every situation problem, but we have a world out there that wants to magnify the cultural popularity view. Jesus calls things sin. And sin will always be sin, whether we put a different name on it or whatever. Sin is still sin. It's still disobedience to God. And God still lives no matter how many people think that he's, he's no longer in charge. I'm not concerned. I've never been concerned about the, with the world. I'm always concerned about the church. My concern is not with the world. My concern with the church because it is the church that is the light. It is the church that is the salt. It is the church that has the message. It is the church that has the call. To go out to the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals, good character. Be careful with the company you keep, for it is the food you eat. It's really important who you hang with. I know, I know I had a posse of people I hung with. A large group of people. That got me into more trouble than anything. Because, you know, they all just want to do one thing. Not living life. Not living life. If you don't do what they do, then you know you're an oddball. Well, when Jesus Christ came into my life, I become the biggest oddball. But unfortunately, some of those people are no longer living today. They party too hardy. And they're dead. Dead. And I can't, sad to say, but many of them are. And see, I want you to understand this. This is really important. Pilate said to the crowd, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? You know, this question still stands to the world. This, this question still stands to the church. What are we going to do with Jesus? Is Jesus going to be something like, yeah, I believe in Jesus? Or are you going to live side by side with Jesus? Are you going to take his whole word and try to do your best? Someone said my best. My best. I didn't say perfect, did I? No, no, I said best. Allow the Spirit of God to continue to help you. The choice is the same today. Jesus took the spot of Barabbas. He did it willfully. He did it humbly. He did it because he, he loved. And I don't know about you, but I think if Jesus was willing to die for Barabbas and you and I, 
What are you willing to do for someone in need or someone hurting or someone at work? Or what will you get started and get people together to do something for an individual? I'm going to leave you with a portion of Scripture that I want you just to meditate on. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, listen to this, because what we do with Jesus makes a difference what happens here. And I saw the great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small, great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, the, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged according to man's, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is a judgment to come. There is a judgment to come. And we need to recognize what Jesus has done for us and what God has told us to go now and do. To take up thy cross and follow him. It's in the cross that we have deliverance. But it's in the cross that gratitude should rise up and say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. Now help me to go on the highways and byways to be the best light and the best salt. That my lips would not be closed. My heart would not be closed. But my heart and my lips would be open to share and care the gospel of Jesus Christ. Close your eyes for a moment. Those that are watching online, close your eyes right where you are. Because the question that Pilate said is to each one of us and each one of you watching by the internet. I want you to say, what are you going to do with Jesus? Is he going to be your savior? Forgive you of your sins? Give you new life? Or is he going to be your judge? That's really what it comes down to. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way, there's only one life, there's only one truth. Jesus came to bear forth what truth is. That's what he said to Pilate. You want truth? It's found only in Jesus Christ. With your eyes closed, saints praying. If you want Jesus to come into your heart and your life, just right now, Jesus died on the cross. He took your sins. He took your faults. He took your stubbornness. He took all the things you, you've done, all of them, just like he did for Barabbas. He's done it for you. You just say, yes, I want Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. I want Jesus. Yes. That's what you can just say. Yes, I want Jesus. Raise your hand. Just say right where you are. Yes. Yeah. I just raise your hand and say right where you are. Yes, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want the Lord. I want forgiveness. I want relationship. I really do. I want life eternal. Just by saying yes, he so loves you. Father, will you bless, touch, help, strengthen, guide, provide, lift them up, and bring them into a place of growing in you that they know that they're a Barabbas that has been saved by simply accepting what you have done on the cross. And Lord, will you help them to go out in the highways and byways and do great exploits and great things because you are a great God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, we thank you for joining us today. 
Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.